My grandfather served in World War II. Spending time with him were the best memories of my life. I became a physician at VA because of my grandfather, so I can help others like him. I can't imagine working with better doctors or a more dedicated staff. I'm fulfilling my life's mission with the help of my team and thanks to these veterans. I'm proud to be a doctor at VA and proud to honor my grandfather every day. Search VA Careers to find out more. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of This Week at VA. I'm your host, Timothy Lawson. This is episode number 41, and in this episode, we will talk with Navy veteran Justin Brown, who was the founder of Hill Vets. We will honor our veteran of the day, and we'll tell you how you can stay abreast with Secretary Shulkin's accountability initiative. Before we get into all of that, I want to acknowledge the anniversary of the Korean War Armistice Day. I had the privilege of attending an event at the Korean War Veterans Memorial yesterday in Washington, D.C. The event included veterans from both the United States and Korea as they paid their respects to each other's efforts in the war and honored those that sacrificed not only from each other's military, but from each country involved in the conflict. For those of you unfamiliar with the war, the war began on June 25, 1950, when communist North Korea invaded South Korea. Almost immediately, the United States secured a resolution from the United Nations calling for the military defense of South Korea against the North Korean aggression. The war eventually bogged down to a battle of attrition, and the armistice, signed on July 27, 1953, established a committee of representatives from neutral countries to decide the fate of thousands of prisoners of war on both sides. They eventually gave prisoners agency over their own fate and allowed them to stay where they were or return to their homeland. A new border between the North and South was drawn, and the zone between the two nations was demilitarized. Millions of lives were lost during the war, including 37,000 Americans. One veteran that spoke at the event mentioned that it's traditionally considered the Forgotten War, but he likes to think that it is the Forgotten Victory. A side note for those of you that may be visiting Washington, D.C. for the first time in the future, do not skip out on the Korean War Memorial. It often gets left off of the must-see lists around D.C., but I can tell you that it's worth every second of your time, and in my humble opinion, possibly the best memorial we have here in the district. So please include that in your trip to our nation's capital. Today's featured interview is with Justin Brown. I first met Justin in early 2016 on a flight coming back from Student Veterans of America's National Conference. Since meeting him, I kept on meeting other people that all seem to be familiar with him and more importantly, his work. His organization, Hill Vets, is highly respected for its efforts to bring more veterans to Capitol Hill. Justin was nice enough to drop by our central office and chat with me about his military service, his transition, how he got to D.C., what's kept him here, and the impact Hill Vets is having on our community and on the Hill. Enjoy. Justin Brown, welcome to This Week uh, at VA. This is uh, I love doing in-person interviews, and this is the first one I've gotten to do, uh, I think, in a couple months. Wow. Uh, yeah, so wow. Thanks, uh, thanks for joining me. Um, great, to, great to be here. They, they really let you do a lot with this place. I love all the memorabilia you guys get on the wall, and you know, glad they're taking care of you in here, Tim. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, 
Justin, of course, saying that uh, uh, sarcastically as we sit in an empty office that uh, I kind of had to like guard off for people to let me use. Doesn't doesn't look anything like you'd expect a government room to look like. No, of course not. Doesn't have typical looking furniture or white walls or bland <laughs> overhead it, uh, it actually, lighting. It actually does. Yeah. Um, Every interview starts with the one thing that we all have in common, and that's the decision to join the United States military. Bring us back to that for you. Yeah, wow, great question, and uh, definitely, definitely throwing it back. Yeah. Um, you know, I was I was raised in a family of, of numerous generations of veterans. Um, I think I'm like, uh, I think it's third generation of, of, of war fighters in my family, uh, and was just really raised listening to the stories of you know, military service, uh, stories of wartime service, um, you know, and, and, and with, you know, not just the people that served, but, you know, your, your entire family is really involved in, in, in you know, uh, what these decisions entail and, and the impact that they have on you for the entirety of your life. So we, we just uh, were raised in a very patriotic, uh, pro-military, uh, surrounding and you know I remember growing up and and I went to uh, you know uh, my, my grandfather had a literally a, a small artillery cannon that they'd fire blanks off in the the, the you know the parades and yeah. um, uh, we'd go to uh, DAV uh, Christmas uh, uh, gatherings where you know they raised uh, presents for, for, for low-income uh, kids in the inner city and so it just really kind of grew up in this setting of, of military service, uh, veteran advocacy, and uh, a deep sense of giving back to the community and uh, those that were less fortunate than you. So what year did you join? Uh, I joined in 2000. Uh, so literally okay. uh, it was supposed to be my senior year of high school. And uh, instead I decided to get a good enough degree. And uh, oh, interesting. I got a GED, and uh, yeah, yeah, like and, and what was supposed to be my final summer before going into uh, before going into my senior year of high school was spent uh, at Great Lakes uh, in boot camp, and uh, while all my buddies were starting their senior year, I was uh, I'd made it out to the fleet in San Diego, California, and was on on my way to San Francisco uh, to Fleet Week. Wow. Yeah. So, so uh, I asked this question to almost anybody that has uh, that's in this situation. You joined in 2000. Tell me about the the change in atmosphere that you saw in your part of the military, where where you were between December 10, 2001, and December 12, or September 10 and September 12, 2001. The shift in those two days. Yeah. I mean, just just absolutely dramatic, right? Um, you know, I. I uh, like I said, I joined a Navy where uh, went to the West Coast. We were on our way to uh, Fleet Week, you know, having a good time. And for those of you in the Navy, we were in uh, uh, 12 section. Uh, we had 12 duty uh, sections or stations. It's been a while since I've been out of the Navy. But long story short, what it means is, you know, you don't have to stand a full day of duty except for every 12th day, yeah. um, which is insane. You know, fast forward to post 9-11, uh, you know, and it was like, three or four duty uh, uh, sections at the most. And so, um, but you know, for us, we we were on our way back uh, when September 11th happened, we were on our way back from my first Westpac deployment 
Um, we spent uh, just about six months out to sea, uh, participated in Operation Southern Watch, uh, whereby essentially, you know, we were making sure Iraq was not flying south of a, you know, a certain line. Um, you know, I was eating nobody, so I was just pulling chains around and stuff on a, on a flight deck. Um, I think I was probably 18 years old. And um, uh, coming back between Pearl Harbor and San Diego, uh, we just started getting images kind of sent through a satellite feed of, of what happened. And uh, I remember just sitting in the, the birthing, uh, which is for you non-Navy guys, you know, where we live, and there's this, this you know, little kind of like a, a shared living room, if you will. And uh, we, we just sat in there and it, 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 certain sections, there wasn't even commentary. It was just literally pictures just being fed through. And uh, I'm from Salt Lake City, so uh, I'd never been to New York, but I, I certainly knew you know, how iconic and, and what these buildings were, but I'm, I'm surrounded by people who you know, had actually seen, touched, and lived in this city and, yeah. and knew what it, you know, they, they, they had a lot more, I think, emotional context going on. Um, but the, the, the emotional reactions, I think, were all united in terms of just kind of a, a deep sense of um, confusion, uh, anger, um, you know, a lot, a lot of different things going on. So uh, we, we uh, sat outside of uh, Camp Pendleton for, for about three or four days. Uh, we were supposed to be pulling in. Uh, we did not. Uh, we didn't unload our Marines. We didn't unload our, I mean, we were ready to go to war. Uh, the ship was operationally ready to go to war. I mean, it was, so uh, I think uh, the, the number of days were spent uh, by, you know, people far and away higher up than, than me in terms of making uh, strategic military decisions in terms of, you know, combat readiness. And our ship was ready. Um, so I, I, I'm 100% positive they were mulling the question of, well, this ship is ready, though it's coming back. Um, you know, do we need it? Do we not? Uh, what are we going to do before we tell them to, you know, a unload their Marines, all the ammo, you know, all the the aircraft, all all the things that go onto a, you know, quite a large deck like we had. Sure. Is there a um, is there a story that you recall on too often, or an experience that you have that you think sort of represents your time in something maybe is the epitome of your service? That's a that's a that's a tough question. Um, I don't know if there's any any one story that I think encapsulates my my service. Um, you know, I learned a lot. Uh, I, I mean, I joined the military when I was when I was 17, and um, you know, I, I often say I, I grew up in the Navy, and and I really did. You know, I mean, you kind of you, you come in there as as somebody who's, you know, quite technically a high school kid. Um, and you know you're you're surrounded by some some amazing mentors and, and other service members, um, you know who I think really teach you what it means to you know to serve, to be task oriented, to 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 have purpose, um, you know. And I, I I certainly didn't didn't you know start out or even probably end out as the, the best uh, naval service member in, in, in history. I, in fact, I was at the Service Member of the Year Awards yesterday, and <laughs> those guys, those guys are incredible. Um, yeah. You know, I, 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 uh, I, I think I, I really worked hard. I, 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 you know, tried to do my job and, 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 and learned a lot about myself, about military service. 
um, and, and frankly about our country, uh, you know, in that, that time period. It was, a, it was certainly an interesting time to be uh, in the military. And I think it shaped, you know, as, as it has for many of, uh, you know, our fellow veterans, you know, it, 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 it may not be who we are, but I think it's certainly shaped who we are for the rest of our lives. Sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, that's, that's, that's uh, indistinguishable. And I think, I think people envy that, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I think they really do. I mean, I think they see the amount of, 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 of pride and, you know, confidence that, that exists, um, you know, from, from folks who are in the military, as well as, you know, most people really respect the fact that, you, you know, you served your nation, as, as I think they generally should. Sure. Um, so uh, I feel like I'm running on on you. No, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I answered your question. You did. I, th I, I think you did. You joined in 2000. When did you get out? Uh, I got out in 2004, so it was okay. literally, uh, you know, that, that, that three years and, you know, 364 days and 11 hours and 59 minute guy. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was exactly four years for me. Joined June 1st, got out May 31st, 2004. What prompted your, your decision to get out? Uh, so, it was a lot of Navy. You know, it really was, and I was young. Um, I, I also knew that I wanted to finish school. I, I mean, I knew that going in. Uh, I knew I wanted to go to college. Uh, I knew I was uh, not a good high school student, but I felt I was, you know, had something to offer and uh, felt like college might be a better situation than high school. So I, I, I knew I wanted to finish school and um, I ended up doing three Westpacs in the four years and uh, I also ended up doing a dry dock, which is where, you know, they literally pull the ship up out of the water um, and basically just repair everything. And, uh, you know, if you're a low-level enlist, enlisted guy like I was, um, uh, you know, you, you basically turn into a shipyard worker <laughs> for, yeah. for a year. Uh, and, and that was actually probably, uh, you know, I dare say my worst time in the Navy. You know, mm. um, uh, you know, obviously not as scary as deploying for. I did deploy for the invasion of Iraq, um, you know, and, and, you know, in retrospect, it's, you know, I think easy to say, hey, you know, you're in the Navy, you went to the Gulf. But, you know, at the time, you know, we're, we're 18, 19-year-old kids, and we don't, we don't really know what that means, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? How bad is this war going to be? Sure. You know, where is it going to go? I mean, uh, you know, it conjures up images of, you know, uh, different things. And we're certainly not, you know, admirals in terms of, you know, like, here are the resources they have, you know, here are where the jets are and their air bases. I mean, we just... We're on a ship heading yeah. to what we know is going to be war, and um, you know here's our little you know cog in the giant wheel, if you if if you will, and here's what you're supposed to do and do it well, and um, you know they have chemical weapons and <laughs> you know all those fun things, so we're throwing on our CBR suits, and um, it was it was you know it was that that was nerve wracking, but I think in terms of just physically like you know. Uh, like sucky duty, if you will. Sure. <laughs> it was definitely dry docks. And I think most Navy sailors who have been through that experience would probably agree. So, you know, just kind of the combination of, of nonstop deployments, um, which was, I mean, another th result, like you were bringing up, what was the difference pre-9-11, post-9-11? Um, I mean, there's no way we would have deployed three times in four years yeah. pre-9-11. Yeah. Um, just wouldn't have happened. And so I think just constantly being at, you know, I'd seen enough Pacific Ocean and shipyards in four years that I, I was ready to try something new. Sure. 
Did you go? Did you go to college right away? I did. Yeah. Okay. So um, I mean, I had a plan. I had really good leadership. Uh, you know, they wanted me to stick around. Um, they'd sent me to some really good schools. Um, in fact, I don't know if you had Jared Lyon on the program yet. I have. Okay. So Jared and I were both what what you call strikers, and Jared is the currently the executive director of Student Veterans of America. Good yep. good friend, uh, real patriot, doing great work. Uh, but we were both patriot. I like that. Yeah, 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 it's a good way to describe them too. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm trying to catch up to his beard and your beard actually. So you guys got to you guys got to get me up to speed. Yeah, Jared. Jared is a. We are envious of his beard. Beer, Bill Roush and I talked about this uh, a few months ago. <laughs> that uh, Jared just has a perfectly shaped beard. It's full. It's shaped well. It just. I, I don't even know. Even if I got close, it still wouldn't look as good. I don't think. Really? Yeah, I think you're doing pretty well, good. I appreciate too. it though. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we were both strikers, which means uh, we both believed uh, Navy recruiters, and you know they tell you that you can do any job you want in the Navy, any job, and uh, you know you just do this first, and you get to try everything out, and then you pick. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's that's a great deal. Well, the reality is, is usually if you strike in the Navy, like probably 95% of these these folks, you know they they get assigned the crappiest jobs in the Navy, pretty much painting decks or carrying yeah. chains on flight decks, and. And uh, most of them don't ever get out. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, <laughs> you're, you're kind of stuck unless yeah. you strike into another rate and do all these extra work things. Well, Jared and I both got out. So <laughs> we, we, we both ended up in different jobs. Um, I ended up doing aviation electronics, uh, fixing helicopters. So I say all that to say, you know, the Navy had made some pretty good investments in me. And, um, you know, they were, they, were, they were trying to get me to stick around. Um, but I, I, I just knew I really wanted to go to, go to school and, and maybe there were some ways that I could, could get back in a different way. Yeah. Um, a lot of veterans in their first year or two out of, of the military um, face a bit of an emotional crisis. Did you experience anything like that? I'm sorry, say it again? Um, did, you, did you face any sort of emotional crisis coming out of the military? Anything, um, you know, I know crisis is a bit of a yeah, heavy yeah. word, but right. um, I think you, you understand what I'm, what I'm asking. Yeah. Um, no, and I, I think one of the points I was, I was trying to get to, um, you know, in my, my last uh, uh, rolling tangent, if you will, was that I'd, I had really good leadership. Yeah. And, and in fact, uh, you know, some, and, and they were enlisted guys, right? Um, and in fact, some of the, the, the folks who I served with who were my immediate supervisors, uh, one of them actually just moved back into the area, so I'm really excited to see him. I haven't seen him in a number of years. but. You know, they, they did me a huge justice in making sure that, that when I left, uh, if, the, if I wasn't going to stay in the Navy, that I had a, you know, I had a clear plan. Yeah. Um, and, and so they really helped me articulate uh, what that, that plan was going to be, what some of my goals were going to be to be successful in my transition. Um, and, and, you know, to, to, to a larger or lesser dis, you know, uh, extent, uh, I think I was well prepared. I didn't have couldn't see the future, right? Yeah. But uh, I was accepted into school. I, I knew our, I knew where I was going to school. I had a game plan for housing. Uh, I decided to go home, which I think for me was helpful um, versus staying in like San Diego. Sure. Uh, you know, which which sounded fun when I was weighing schools. You know, like University of Utah, San Diego State <laughs> University. <laughs> sure. But you know, they also pressed me. You know, which one are you going to be more academically successful in? Sure. And uh, I think questions like that mattered, uh, and they made me think pretty hard about some of the decisions I was I was going to make and how they would affect my future. Yeah. 
So what 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 brought you? Uh, and this is how we can segue into your efforts with Hill Vets and such. What brought you to DC? Sure. Uh, so it's 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 kind of a I guess it's kind of a long story, but primarily uh, I got involved in veterans issues. A, I'd, I've kind of already talked a little bit about my, my family uh, and their involvement in veterans issues. Uh, but I was actually at school and I'm walking through uh, the hall one day. Um, I just started classes and, well, maybe not just started. I think I was in my second semester. Uh, you know, I just talked about being well-planned. I think if, uh, if there was somewhere I wasn't well, didn't do a good job of planning was uh, that first semester just, I did not do a good job. Mm. Um, but I realized that. And so I think I'm in my second semester of college. You know, I've really kind of geared up my, my level of ambition because I saw my first set of grades and, and realized they were completely unsat, uh, that I'd worked entirely too hard to have this opportunity and that I really needed to step up my game. Uh, I look and I see uh, this sign, it says, are you a veteran? And it's, you know, it's 2004, and uh, I'm 21 years old still. And, and I, I just remember thinking, I, I think so. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like, like literally. Yeah. Uh, no one's giving me the hat yet, right. but I, I, think I'm, I think I'm a veteran. Right. Yeah. That was like literally the thought in my mind, you know, but it didn't fit with the images that I'd grown up right. with, right? You know, veterans were my uncles and, and grandfather. Yeah. and. And, they, um, they were old. They were old veterans with their Vietnam hats, or yeah. their you know their, their American Legion. Yeah, caps, and know, my yeah. and my family has them in oodles. You know, I mean, yeah, they, right. they've all got them. Sure. You know, and I don't have one, but um, I did very very soon thereafter. But uh, and then the next the next the next sentence is, "Do you need a job?" Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> it was that it was that clear, and uh, it was like so you're like. Maybe on the first question, yes on the second. You got uh, it. Yeah. You got it. So, so, and then there's just a number. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, you know, and in hindsight, I don't know, destiny, it's, it's pretty damn close. Yeah. You know? um, so I call the number and uh, this guy answers and he's like, yeah. And he starts, you know, asking me questions. He's like, uh, why don't you come in? He's like, I've got a work study job that, that I, that I want to give to you. Well, he didn't, he didn't say give to you. I want to interview you for it. And it turned out to be one of the main guys running the American Legion service office in the service office in the state of Utah. And so I went and met with him. I got the job, and, and basically I'm, I'm helping him out in helping veterans with their claims at the Salt Lake City VA as a VA work study. And uh, you know, so that's really what got me involved. And, and from from there, I, I, I started seeing veterans that had. Uh, made a different decision, right? So, I mean, I joined in 2000, and uh, I met with, you know, two of the recruiters. I met Navy, I met Army, and uh, the Army guy shows up. He's like, hey, you know, you want, you want to blow shit up? And I was like, oh, I want to, sure, yeah, yeah, I want to blow shit up. And the Navy guy, you know, is, is like, hey, you, you want to go see the world? And, you know, at the time, you know, to put it in context, I mean, I didn't feel like a lot was going on in 2000. I was like, oh, I want to go blow stuff up in the middle of, you know, Kentucky or no offense to my army friends, <laughs> but, uh, you know, or go see the world. I was like, I want to go see the world and maybe I get to blow some stuff up too. Yeah. Um, but kids I went to high school with started coming back and they'd made different decisions. And it, you know, it became apparent to me that VA was uh, not ready 
to deal with the challenges of the OEF OAF veteran population yeah. uh, and very quickly. Um, and I became involved in the, the local BFW in Salt Lake City. Um, and uh, one thing led to another. Uh, I ended up getting an opportunity to come to DC and work for uh, the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Um, and so, you know, I just kind of, uh, you know, utilized those opportunities to, to, to really, uh, you know, kind of, kind of move forward, I guess, you know, try to, try to have some progression in, in, in what I was doing and uh, worked with the VFW here in D.C. It was their first post-9-11 lobbyist uh, advocating on issues like the post-9-11 GI Bill. And uh, then I actually came over here and worked for VA for, for a bit and worked for VA for three years doing congressional affairs. And um, it was right around that time, actually, that we, we, we founded HillVets. Yeah. And uh, the problem we saw in, in starting HillVets is that there were a lot of veterans in Washington, D.C. And when I say a lot, I mean, there actually are a lot of veterans. There are a lot of veterans and military service members in Washington, D.C. writ large. Um, but there was, no, there was no one bringing them together. Uh, you know, so we had you know, veteran lobbyists for like you know, BFW, American Legion, DAV, list goes, goes on, a lot of veterans in the VA, uh, service members over at the Pentagon and veterans at the Pentagon, uh, you know, a very small number of veterans on Capitol Hill working in staff positions, Democrats, Republicans, but nobody playing Switzerland and saying, hey, let's, let's get together you know, talk to each other, exchange ideas, get to know each other's different roles and, and thereby empower each other in our nation's, our world's most powerful city. Uh, and so that's really what we set out to do. Yeah. So what, what year is that? Uh, that would have been 2013. Okay. And, uh, you know, it really started off by me uh, taking every name in my, 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 my Gmail probably at the time and sending everybody an email saying, uh, you know, six o'clock uh, Thursday, uh, we're meeting at Bullfeathers. I don't even remember if we put the name in. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it had a name at that juncture. It may have. And uh, it wasn't until about two years ago that we officially uh, went after our nonprofit status. Sure. So, so really, we've only been a nonprofit for about two years. So and members of the audience that pay attention to our content probably saw uh, the short video that we did uh, for the Hill Vets 100 uh, Gala? Gala? Gala. Gala. I can, I'd say I can never remember the Gala. I like, to, I like to how you said it. <laughs> let's, let's go with that. Um, the Hill Vets 100 is a really uh, important list, I think, in the veteran community because uh, that list and similar lists, I think, helps uh, really one, recognize the efforts of the people of the veterans we know are all are doing good work, and then also exposing maybe not so obvious ones. Um, but before before we get to that, actually, what, what is what is the mission of Hill Vets? Like, what sure. what are you trying to do both in the veteran community and in D.C.? Sure. So uh, it's pretty simple. It's to empower veterans to make global impact. Perfect. Yeah. Um, like, what effect? What what, so what does that do for the veterans that, that are involved? Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, first, it really, you know, I think of my experience when I came to Washington D.C. Um, you know, sold everything I owned uh, to come out to a city I'd never been to, uh, to take a position that didn't pay anything. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of hope 
right? A lot of, uh, it took a hell of a lot of self-confidence or you know, stupidity, whichever one, you want, whichever one you want to call it. But, um, uh, and, and then when I got here, not knowing anyone, right? Um, I think we've created quite a difference for a veteran that walks into this city right now. Um, I think we've become a pretty good catch net in terms of uh, them finding out about us pretty quickly if they didn't already know about us in the first place. Um, you know, and for instance, tonight we have an event, right? We have an event every month uh, that you know, a veteran, as long as they're here for 30 days, would, would have an opportunity to walk in um, and, and I think meet people who uh, you know, appreciate military service, uh, you know, want, understand what it means to, to, I mean, most of us are transplants to DC, right? Yeah. Uh, know what it means to, to, to move into this city, um, you know, are open to listening to, to, to why a veteran came to this city in the first place, you know, what it is they're trying to accomplish. And, and I think that network's healthy in terms of being able to point them in some good directions to hopefully make them successful in what they set out to accomplish. And I think that's empowering people, and I think it's doing it at multiple levels. I mean, if you come to our events, and obviously, you you know, thank you for coming to the Hill Vets 100 and, and helping us highlight that event. But you know, it's not just the guy walking into the city now. I mean, it's really helping. I think veterans at all levels of their career, sure. um, you know, better understand the the veterans that are that are that are above them by having conversations with them and learning from them, uh, you know, taking whether it be formal, formal or informal mentorship from them, um, you know, by watching them, whatever it may be. Um, but, you know, also the new folks that, that, that are, you know, trying to come into this, 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 this uh, environment. And, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to create that healthy network, but we're also trying to grow it, Yeah. right? And so that's why we also created Hill Vets House, which, sure. which is our fellowship program. Uh, because we believe in veterans being involved in government, politics, and policy. We think there's plenty of space out here for them to, you know, for, for us to have more numbers involved. I mean, only 1% of Capitol Hill staff have military experience. Oh, wow. But 60, is it really that low? It's really that low. Wow. But 60% of our budget is related to the military experience, you know, whether it's through DOD, VA, yeah. you know, State Department spending. Uh, Department of Homeland Security. I mean, there there are some very close correlations with 60% of our budget uh, and and military service yet zero brain trust on Capitol Hill. So, we, we we think there's a lot of work to be done in terms of increasing the number of veterans in this space, um, and, and that's what we're really trying to tackle. Yeah, that's amazing. One percent. One percent. Yeah. Um, what what is it about the city that you still enjoy? Um, and I asked, I came to uh, Cars on the Table, I followed a girl to D.C. Um, I, D.C. was one of, the, one of the cities that I imagined ending up in because of just who I knew and, you know, old Marine friends and other friends were moving to D.C. or being involved here. Um, and so, but admittedly, she went to a American University, so I enrolled in American University, uh, and then after we broke up, I, I had the opportunity to leave, and then I realized, no, D.C. is where I want to be. This is a really interesting city. Um, I mean, we're in, the building we're in right now is a block away from the White House, uh, and that's everyday life, right? Uh, right. You, know, um, the you know, the secretary strolls through here. You know, I'd go down to other events and, and see other cabinet members, and that's just normal life to us, whereas 
you know, other people in other parts of the country, like they can like they only get to see you know these faces on TV. Um, what is it about DC that we heard about sort of what got you here? What's kept you here? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's that's I guess uh, that is a fascinating question. Yeah, <laughs> I I mean I really enjoy Washington DC. I, I really do. I mean I think um, you know I've enjoyed what I feel has been my role in Washington and, and you know I mean I've been very focused on veteran policy issues for uh, you know almost 10 years now well 10 years yeah yeah exactly 10 years a little more um, and you know I've, I've, I've helped tackle some of the most pressing challenges that we've we've had in the veteran population uh, over that decade uh, you know, did a lot of work on post 9-11 GI Bill, like I said, did some work on uh, employment issues during the economic recession, uh, you know, where at a time we had more unemployed uh, Iraq and Afghanistan veterans than we did service members serving in Iraq or Afghanistan. Wow. I mean, that's crazy, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, there were some real sticky, you know, tough policy questions and challenges uh, in that period, you know, as we as a, a as a cohort, you know, literally, you know, I guess self-realized we're veterans, right? I mean, that that moment that I had looking at this sign, you know, are you a veteran? I think so, and you know, and then and then rolling that into you know all of the you know some of the the good, bad, and the ugly, you know, transition issues, health issues, um, you know, how we struggle with you know service members that we lost. I mean, there, there's just so much there that, uh, for me, it, it's just there. I can't imagine really. You know, there's there's nothing else that I think would do it for me. I mean, sure. I truly do love, uh, you know, the the policy stuff, and then just the people, right? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, you know, uh, sure they're all here, but I mean, the 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 the, the people are, are absolutely fascinating. Some of the stories you hear, and and even if people don't stay. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're just some incredible people that end up here because of whatever it may be that they're doing and that they want to share uh, their story on, on a bigger stage. Uh, you know, in D.C., I do think, is one of the world's biggest stages. And Absolutely. It, it, it certainly is in terms of politics. Uh, you know, I mean, I think... Especially in the political realm and in other... It's, I mean, it could be considered center of the universe in some ways, you know, in, in its impact on everything. And some, but it's a whole other conversation <laughs> um, on the intricacies of, of that. Um, quickly, Hill Vets 100, um, something that you guys do, you've got two, three years in a row now? Uh, second year we've done an event. Second year done an event, okay. Yeah, so first year we, we got to gala status, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first year we, we, we did it was uh, the year before last, obviously, but, um, uh, you know, it was uh, not nearly the level of, of the gala. Sure. Um, and uh, it's such a heavy lift, but it was, it was so much fun, and it's, it's, it's really neat to be able to, you know, honor and highlight, as yeah. you were saying, uh, not only the people who, you know, folks like Rick Weidman, who, you know, has been a veteran advocate for his entire lifetime, to, to watch him get, you know, an award that, you know, I think, uh, everybody agreed should be given, but not only to be given an award like that, but to be given an award like that from Secretary Chuck Hagel, yeah. who, you know, fellow Vietnam veteran, uh, fellow enlistee, uh, fellow Purple Heart recipient. I mean, yeah. just just really incredible and powerful moments that I think we all got to share that evening. What goes into that selection? Uh, to the Hill Vets 100. Yeah. Uh, so we 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 really try to. Uh, 
there's 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 not a science. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not. It's not guess, like. Do you guys not, do you guys mull over? Do you take submissions? No, we, is it we, no, we, we definitely do. So 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 this uh, this year, so it's the third time we've done the list. Okay. Second time we've done an event, um, but. Uh, in this last go around, we, we had a few criteria. One, we weren't trying to repick folks, um, which we'd kind of done the, the second time we gotcha. did it, if you will. Um, and we just figured, you know, I guess first I'd say if we had to do it over again, I'd probably do 50, not 100. <laughs> and, and that's because the, it's so much work. Yeah. I mean, it's just an incredible amount of work that I, I think folks can't, can't fully appreciate that it's, it's, it's an incredible amount of work. But what I'd tell you is in making the decision to not go with a lot of the same people, there was no shortage of veterans. Yeah. There just, there just wasn't, or supporters. We don't do just veterans, it's veterans yeah. and supporters. Um, there like was- Taylor Swift. Yeah, like Taylor Swift. So I'm very disappointed it was not at the gala. Yeah, <laughs> we all are, <laughs> yeah. we all are, right? I mean, that we thought it was gonna be a good play for her. Yeah. Um, and it would have been, but uh, she's an alum now, so to, you know, sure. hold out hope, Tim. Yeah, I will, Hold, hold I out will. hope. Um, and, and, and then as a board, uh, you know, we get together and if you've seen the list, you'll see that, you know, there are numerous categories, uh, you know, you have politicians, you have, uh, staff members, you have, um, you know, uh, veterans that are in business, supporters that are in business. So, uh, you know, but we also open it up, right? So anybody can nominate folks and that's what really helps us, you know, get their names on the board, if you will. Uh, you know, and, and, and the more information we have with regards to why they should be on the list is extraordinarily helpful, right? Yeah. Um, and, can and people self-nominate? I may or may not yeah. throw my hat in the ring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody will throw you in there, Tim. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I mean, somebody, note, to, note to everybody, somebody yeah. throw Tim in. Yeah, hopefully someone, someone, someone out there will think of it. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody think of that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, they, they can. Yeah. You know, I mean, they can, and uh, you know, if they they've got a good, compelling argument, um, I don't think I'd necessarily, you know, I, yeah. don't, I don't think we'd have a problem with it. But and that question, of course, is more for my audience. You know, <laughs> if, uh, you know if they're listening and, and want to, you know, be considered. Well, well, they might have a mission that you know they might be the only person you know that 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 really knows what they're doing exactly. in in a in a here the here the people we love to find. I mean, we had we had a, and I'm not going to name names, but we had folks that. I don't know if they self-nominated, but you know that we're in Washington and Oregon, and they were doing great nonprofit work, um, and that's a really long ways from Washington D.C., right? Sure. Um, and 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 how else, you know? I mean, you know, if 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 anybody knows any folks doing anything across the country, and you yeah. think it's compelling, I mean, please please nominate them. Yeah. Send us a send us a you know a name and a paragraph, and and put them on our radar so that we can at least throw them up there and say, hey. What are these guys doing? Because I'll tell you, those those are my favorite ones. Yeah. Those are the ones where I'm like, these guys aren't even going to see it coming. Yeah, they're going to be on this list yeah. with all these other names. You know, that are you know they're BFDs in the veteran mm -hmm. community, and they're yeah. going to be like, that's kind of awesome. It is, uh, and and that's one thing I've learned about the about my audience, um, about VA's audience in general, not just the podcast audience, but anybody who follows us on social media is, I can tell so many of them are just looking for the way for themselves or their family or their friends to, to get recognized somehow, mm -hmm. which has been, which is one way that Veteran of the Day has been super powerful because it's a really easy way for people to nominate 
a veteran that they just want to get recognized yeah. once one day, right? Right, right. Um, and so I think you know, letting letting them know that you know, Hill Vets One Hundred, other you know, uh, acknowledge. Um, Recognitions and whatnot are are in reach, you know, at least through nomination. Uh, I think is important, um, especially when they're in Oregon or Washington or so far away from uh, the entity that's that's doing it. Um, what what skill set, discipline, talent, whatever you want to call it, did you learn in the military that's contributing to your success here in D.C.? It's it's got to be it's got to be leadership, right? I mean, okay. you know, I mean, it, it, I think leadership and just having um, a sense of, of mission and purpose and understanding, um, you know, and if it's not leadership on the front end, I think it's kind of the, you know, the collective skill sets that that, that, that allow you to, to, to take on some of those roles, right? Yeah. Um, that give you the toolbox, if you will, to uh, make things happen and, and, and move forward. So I, I, I think for me, um, you know, it was it was it was really a sense of just uh, having really good people, being around really good people, and, and and you know picking up some of the good, bad, and the ugly, and kind of being taught that you know, hey, you need to evaluate your situation. You know, what's going right? Why is it going right? What's going wrong? Why is it going wrong? Yeah. Um, how do you make yourself better? Right. I mean, I think the the Navy I was in was always pressing me to to be better. Um, you know, and it was hard on me, right? Sure. You know, it was it was it was hard on me in the sense that it it it, it always pushed me to the next level. Um, you know, and it, and it wasn't you know I didn't always like it, but yeah. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I think I think the you know, like I said, the the, the Navy I, I I grew up in was was one where it was was constantly pressing me to to be better and. Uh, you know, if there was a gap, I think, and you know, you kind of got to that. Uh, it's it's you know, having the capability to realize uh, when you have to do that for yourself, yeah. right? When when maybe uh, the Navy's, you know, or the military's not there uh, for you to do that, and, and maybe you know, when it's when it's time to to reach out to somebody and say, hey, uh, I need your help to kick my butt into gear, you know. Yeah. Um, and that you know it's okay every once in a while or, or at all to, to ask you know your your battle buddies whoever it may be for help and you know kind of motivating you to take your yourself to the next level. Sure. Um, a question that I like to uh, ask people on on the show, and I think this is going to be both an easy and challenging question for you. Mm -hmm. um, tell me, give me a veteran, and I'll even let you choose two since I'm sure there's still going to be a little come to mind. Uh, that have you really excited right now about what they're doing uh, in their space and their realm of the community? Yeah, that is a tough question. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm sure it's easy because I'm sure you, names are just sort of flowing <laughs> through your head. Uh, That's where it's tough. You yeah, know? I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm, uh, I've been fortunate in in what we've done with Hillvets to really just be surrounded by so many veterans that that are doing such incredible work. Um, so the, it's actually very difficult. You're sure. kind of asking me to. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I said it's easy in the fact that there, you probably have a big pool of names to choose from, but right. choosing them have to, has to be the yeah, it the is. Part. Yeah. It is. Um, you know, I think I think one of uh, somebody who I've really learned a lot from uh, in the last uh, you know I'd say year year and a half is is, is Ken Falk. 
and, and Ken Falk is the founder of Boulder Crest Retreat, and uh, you know he's very uh, personally successful. Uh, he was an enlisted uh, EOD Navy guy and uh, retired, got out of the service, started his own business, and has is just done really well. Um, because of you know those navy traits uh, <laughs> and uh, all those navy things, yeah. yeah. But but um, you know, and then and then donated some of his own property uh, to 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 found uh, Boulder Crest Retreat, and, and and frankly, I think they're doing some of the most compelling work I've seen uh, in 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 the area of mental health care and 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 what they're calling post traumatic growth, which is you know uh, the emphasis on on you know. PTS, you know, tends to be uh, all extraordinarily negative, and I think yeah. the the idea behind post-traumatic growth, and I, I wish he was here. I, I don't want to, you know, uh, really hop into their lane, but is that you know there are some positive traits that we gain from you know uh, military service and even 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 combat military service, right? I mean, there are some some things that uh, really uh, can be game changers for you. And how do we turn you know the negative into positive? things. Uh, so uh, Ken, Ken Falk is certainly uh, one of those veterans. Um, Chris Goldsmith, right? I mean, Chris Goldsmith, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Chris Goldsmith, uh, you know, he currently works for uh, Vietnam Veterans of America, and I think he's just been uh, kicking butt in terms of, uh, you know, the work that he's done for veterans and bad paper discharges. Yeah. Um, you know, I did a lot of advocacy, as I already said, on, on uh, you know, in my day with the BFW and, and GI Bill, but you know, I, I never asked the president for. You know, I think it was how many, how many, uh, uh, how many folks to get their uh, discharge. You know, yeah. uh, reversed. Uh, uh, you know, so he, he's he's just done a really really good job of I think uh, being a veteran advocate and then and then paying it forward, right? You know, uh, trying to take those skills and. And, and share them and, and use them for greater good for the for the uh, broader veteran community. I think it's an incredible. Yeah, Chris is very active. I feel like uh, every time I go to a veteran-themed or focused event here in D.C., that I pass by him on the way in or out, or I see him in the crowd or something. Um, he's also a name that it seems like more and more people are recognizing, which means that his work is uh, um, is reaching people. Yep. Um, Ken Folk? Folk. 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 I'm going to reach them if you can. Uh, I'd love to talk to him. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Yeah, you should. Um, Justin, if anybody listening is interested, like they're either on their way to D.C., they live here, uh, or just they're on the West Coast and think that they want to have a smaller model of what you're doing here over there and just somehow want to contact you or get involved in Hill Vets, what, how, is there a way people can do that? Sure, yeah. Check us out online, www.hillvets.org. And, uh uh, or reach uh, us on Twitter at, at HillVets, um, or uh, shoot me an email. Free to, feel free to do that, sure. justin at hillvets.org. Wonderful. Justin, thank you so much for your time. It's, uh, I know we've, we've worked months getting, uh, getting this on the calendar. And, <laughs> it's uh, all my fault. No, no, of course. I mean, I, I was gone for the entire month of June, so, uh, but I do appreciate your time, and I know the, uh, the audience appreciates your insight. Hey, proud to be number 41. I served in Vietnam. I was waiting for him, back home. When I left the military, I never even went to VA. But now he's 63 and he's got a few health issues. Maybe it's time to see what VA can do for us. I'm ready to give it a go. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, 
visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. This is unrelated to my interview with Justin, but I wanted to tell you about the Office of Accountability and Whistleblower Protection. Accountability has been a priority for Secretary Shulkin, and transparency is a part of that. The Office of Accountability and Whistleblower Protection is a newly created office within the Department of Veterans Affairs dedicated to improving the needs of veterans across the United States. It provides investigative internal affairs services necessary to improve health, benefits, and cemetery needs for each and every veteran. To learn more about this office and to see the latest Adverse Actions Report, visit va.gov accountability. Today's Veteran of the Day is Army Veteran John Napute. John joined the Army as an officer. He served in Korea, the Pentagon, and was a senior instructor at Texas Christian University assisting with College ROTC. We thank John for his service. To read John's full write-up and to nominate your own Veteran of the Day, visit blogs.va.gov. Episode 41 is now in the books. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I know there are so many podcasts out there, and I thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these veterans and their important stories. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at DEPT Vet Affairs for images from our community. If you have any questions you'd like to have addressed on the show, email us at newmedia at va.gov. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off.